And what I know now is if you want to get better at something, get a coach in that area. And there is a coach for everything. Welcome back to the Beyond Macros podcast. We are the Sustainable Transformation Nutrition Coaches, and our show will help you on the path to making your transformation that lasts with episodes about nutrition, movement, and the all-important art of inner work. The podcast is one of many ways we help you make a sustainable transformation. Another great starting place is our free calorie and macro calculator worksheet, which you can find at beyondmacros.com worksheet. We have an exciting update to the worksheet coming soon that will help you stay on track. So download your copy now to get early access. And of course, our coaching is the ultimate way to guarantee your results. Because as long as you do the work and don't have a pre-existing condition, we guarantee you'll get results. We are this confident because we maintain the best client-to-coach ratio of our competitors. And as our name implies, our coaching will take you beyond macros to create the perfect conditions for a transformation that lasts for life. And very appropriately, today's episode is all about how to get the most out of coaching with Mike Bledsoe, CEO of the Shrugged Collective and creator of the Strong Coach Program. One of the keys Mike shares to getting the most out of coaching starts with you. And before we move through Mike's story, I want you to take a second to imagine a grid with four squares. On our horizontal plane of the grid, you have your coachability. On the left-hand side, you have low coachability. On the right, you have high coachability. Now, on the vertical plane, you have your coach's abilities. Down low, we have what Mike calls trainers. And as we move up, we have true coaches. With this picture in mind, where on this grid do you think you will have the most success? Top right where you are coachable and you are working with a real coach. Now, where do you think you will be least likely to succeed? Bottom left, where you aren't coachable and you're working with a trainer who is telling you what to do. And here's the wonderful secret to success. You have control over both of these variables. You can both hire a great coach And do the inner work it takes to be coachable. Now let's take this picture in your mind and make it concrete. Mike Bledsoe's story is one of moving from bottom left, being an uncoachable trainer who only hired other trainers, to top right, where he is now a coachable coach of coaches who consistently hires great coaches for himself. To start out, you might be wondering what the difference is between a coach and a trainer. And I will let Mike paint the picture about a time when he was a trainer. I was born with an unusually high amount of, I don't know if you would call it discipline. I really am not a fan of that word, but um, I'm, I've always been a good long-term thinker. I've been good at looking at the big picture. So I was always good at that for myself, not for other people. I was good at that for myself. So here I am eating, really keeping it clean, keeping it tight. And when people aren't doing what I tell them to do, I go, what the fuck is wrong with these people? So that's like a number one, like if, you, if you're wondering if you're a trainer or a coach, the trainer is always pissed off at the clients. 
Compare that to Mike's concept of what it is to be a coach, and the difference is clear. A coach is somebody who really uh, is uh, is really invested in their client's success and are not necessarily attached to any methods uh, in particular and are also somebody who is uh, – I see a great coach as someone who's also like a manager if, you're, if we're talking about health in, uh, in particular. Somebody who's helping someone manage their health and go, oh, you know, if – you have this problem, you need to go see this person. There's like this whole network thing, networking thing happening. But also the coach is really good at and interested in what's going on in the person's life holistically because in looking for the highest leverage item that we can make improvements on. So you go see a trainer and they go, look, I know how to do, I know how to coach CrossFit. You know, I know how to train you with methods from ACSM or maybe jujitsu or whatever it is, they have like, they have this method and no matter what you show up with, you could have a toothache and they're going to tell you to squat, you know? So, and, but that's what they know. And so like for the coach, it's like always looking for the highest leverage thing and not being attached to a single um, method to get the job done. And it, it takes a, it takes systemic thinking. It, it, you have to zoom out uh, of the person's life. And you also have to be willing to ask questions that I think most trainers are uncomfortable asking. I think a lot of people remain trainers because they are, they, they want to keep it surface level. And the reason most people want to keep things surface level is because they haven't gone deep with themselves yet. And a really great coach is somebody who's gone deep with themselves and is able to guide their clients to that depth too. And just as important to this story is the concept of coachability. Mike reflects on the time when he was uncoachable. I look back at my whole life. Um, I was not very coachable. Uh, as an athlete, I, I was a loner. I loved training by myself. Training a group, don't want it. Um, I would hire coaches to write programs for me, but I didn't. And there were definitely times in my life, there might be a six-month stint where I spent time with a coach that really helped me out. But... Um, when I was younger, I used to get really irritated with criticism. Mm. I didn't really, uh, I, I, I didn't take it well. Um, and, uh, so I, like I grew up with my, with my dad always saying, I, I worked for my dad when I was a kid and he's like, if you can do it, do it right. You know, like what's, you know, what's the point? And so I do, I, I've been really good at doing things right the first time because of that. Um, but at the same time, when I don't do them well, when the criticism hits, it definitely feels like my dad was like coming down on me for, you know, like, why wouldn't you, why didn't you think about this? And so, um, I've, I've, uh, gotten, I've got peace with all of that now. And so I can receive criticism really well now. And like many journeys, Mike's journey from the bottom left, the uncoachable trainer, to the top right, the coachable coach who hires great coaches, was a process. As convenient as it would be for this story to have a clear aha moment, that's just not how it worked. But in hearing Mike's story, it sounds like having his business coach model good coaching was not only a very important part of his journey to being a good coach, but also on his journey to being coachable. I started working with um, a business coach and he was coaching me. Yeah. And I go, oh shit, 
he wasn't telling me how to run my business. Like, like if he had been a, a business trainer, he would have been like, these are the numbers you need to be looking at. And, da, 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 and you know, just go fill in these, these blanks, you know, go, you know, go, go squat your weight and then come back and tell me how it went. You know what I mean? That would have been a, a trainer, but the business coach that I hired was very interested in me learning about myself, me learning about how business works and realizing that every business is different. There's definitely key principles that are the same. I had somebody who was teaching me like, oh, when you talk to your team or if someone on your team complains about this, oh, you responded like that. Interesting. Is there another way you could have responded? I go, oh, um, sure. There's something I could have done differently. I also share this part of the story to highlight a few things about the journey to the top right, especially that hiring a good coach will undoubtedly help you. But by being uncoachable, you will not get all of the possible value out of the relationship you have with your coach. I was not very coachable. Mm. When I look back on it, I really look at, um, uh, I'm not upset with myself, but I look back and go, wow, I wasted some money because I, I could have gotten way more out of that relationship had I been more coachable. And the truth is I was doing the best I could do. Like I, I, I didn't know what it meant to be coachable yeah. at the time. And I needed that experience to help me, to help make me coachable. So let's talk about that path to coachability. It's one thing you have absolute control over and power to change. Mike's path to coachability included many failures. I think it took a series of failures, a series of business failures. Well, shit, a series of failures, period. Failures as an athlete and then failures in business. And I think over time, I, I, uh, I realized I didn't know what the fuck I was doing. <laughs> and this realization that he didn't know what the fuck he was doing was huge. Being honest with himself, having the courage to admit that, and to express to another person were all critical parts of his process. The people who are listening never had an experience where you go, I know you have, go off the grid um, for days at a time and have people peeking into the deepest, darkest parts of your life. Um, until you've had that, I mean, I, I would say that it, it was experiences like that that made me coachable and realizing that. The power of vulnerability is, and vulnerability is what's necessary to be coachable. Yeah. And um, uh, my way of getting people, clients to be vulnerable is that I'm vulnerable with them first. There's this thing called the law of reciprocity. So if I give you something, then you have this feeling that you should return the favor in some way. And so if I share with you vulnerability, now you're going to want to share your vulnerability with me. And so uh, I've gotten really good at that, and that's been helpful. But also realizing that uh, at, in order for me to be coachable, if I sit down with a coach and say I'm sitting down with a money coach, and I go, this is exactly what the fuck is happening. This is where my mind's at when I see these things. This is how I feel, and this is what's happening. What do we need to do? You know, whereas most people, you know, they want to just, uh, you know, if they're having financial troubles, it's more like – yeah, I just need to figure out how to make more money or maybe I need to save some more money and they're talking to some financial specialist or whatever. But if you really want to get help, you have to say like, this is exactly where I'm at. And then that person can turn you and go, oh, okay, well, I see where you're at. This is step one, step two, step three, 
are you open to that? And uh, that, that's how that type of coaching can happen. It's a scary process with massive payoff. This is why I'm always talking about the inner work piece of things. Real change comes when you change the story between your ears. And one major change you can make upstairs is decreasing what Mike calls your speed of implementation. I said it earlier, a lot of people think they're taking action by thinking about it. They go, well, I thought about it last month. I go, interesting. It's even, think, you've been spending energy on it, but not, it hasn't made it to the outside world. Um, so uh, I call it speed of implementation. How quickly you take the advice or anything you've learned and then apply it. Uh, I think that's an issue with people is they may go, oh, here's the lesson. Here's what I was told to do. I'll start. It's, you know, it's Wednesday. I'll start on Monday. Like, why the fuck are we waiting for Monday? Why does life start on Monday? You know, someone who's coachable, like the people who are going to be really successful, as soon as they learn about the thing that's going to make the biggest difference in their life, they do it immediately. Mike also wanted to share another important factor on the coachability side that is similar to the speed of implementation. This factor is your sensitivity to the messages you are receiving, whether those messages are coming from your coach or yourself. You got to be really sensitive to the message. I think that our culture has conditioned people to be desensitized. And it's like waves that messages come in, right? It's like, Matt, you should change your life. You're not living in alignment with you, what's really supposed to be happening. And uh, that voice comes through. You don't really hear it. It's, it's a feather. The feather lands on your head. You're like, oh, it's just a feather. And then you're walking down the street and a brick falls and hits you in the head. You're like, what the fuck? That brick just hit me in the head. You're mad at the whatever, wherever it came from. And then you get hit by a Mack truck. You're like, oh, oh, I learned the lesson at the Mack truck. But the people who are coachable can, they hear the feather. Yeah. The feather gently falls on their shoulder and they go, oh, time for change. Hmm. And that's, that's what I've been trying, trying to get to myself is how sensitive can I become to the messages, how well can I listen? I think uh, I think a lot of that comes down to reflection. Now that we've given you some tools and things to think about on the coachability side, let's talk about what to look for in a coach. Mike coaches coaches through his strong coach program, and as you heard at the beginning of the episode, he has a clear distinction between what it is to be a coach versus what it is to be a trainer. Mike also has a gift for choosing great coaches for himself. Here is how Mike selects his coaches. When I'm selecting a coach, I'm looking for somebody who has got some type of, they, they've, they've figured something out that, that I haven't figured out. I, and, it's, and it's obvious in all aspects of their life. I go, oh, wow. It's not just what's happening for them in the gym, but their home life, their, their business. You know, uh, I'm looking for where I'm at in my life right now, that's the type of coach I'm looking for. And I might have a coach that I really significantly rely on for health. And then I might have a coach that I rely on mostly for relationships, but there's definitely overlap. 
and that's how I know I'm having great coaches is because there's, there's not a lot, a lot of gaps in, uh, my, in what I'm trying to improve in my life between yeah. the, between the things, uh, because they think more systemically. That makes sense. And it sounds like a really important part of what it is to be a coach, especially strong coaches and inner work practice. You've yeah. done the work yourself. Ah, there's my favorite phrase again, inner work. I love it. You have to do the inner work to be coachable. And so you should hold your coach to that same standard. Let's talk about a few of the other qualities that are important to look for in a coach. My favorite that Mike brought up is that a good coach asks great questions. It comes down to asking more questions, you know, and uh, I had a lot of coaches growing up that just told me what to do. Yeah. You know, maybe they're more like trainers than coaches, right? And so they were, there's a lot of telling going on. And um, I think, you know, and maybe that's what, that's what led me to be more coachable is being exposed to more people who are asking me questions versus telling me what to do. We have a value at Beyond Macros. Collect the dots before you connect the dots. That comes from asking questions before trying to guide a client. And the reason you should seek that out as a client is so that you are guided versus being told what to do or worse, being forced into some template. And then also I, I got in some, um, I did a, a series, a lot of workshops and retreats where I was being coached by people in different realms. I had a relationship coach at one point. I've had uh, um, just personal development coaches, you know, like spending some time with some spiritual gurus and really looking and, and seeing what it's like to be guided versus told what to do. Mm. And, um, and that's when I really, you know, there, there was, there was definitely a moment where I go, Oh, coaching is not program design and, and yelling at people. Like coaching is like really figuring out, what's going on and getting really intimate with these people. And a lot of times simply listening and letting people, you know, talk who have never been listened to before. Not only should your coach be asking questions, anybody can do that. Your coach should be actively listening to what you are expressing. When your coach listens, they'll be able to see your blind spots, see where you're limiting yourself and hold you accountable to a vision that you might not even believe is possible. When I look at the, the best coaches online that are doing really, really well, um, and, and you're one of those people, is keeping people accountable. And the, about, the ability to hold people accountable is something that, that's, a, that's not something a trainer does. Like a good coach uh, holds people accountable. And I've seen all sorts of different styles of accountability. I was in the military once. Um, and I've been in a lot of coaching environments where there was different levels of accountability happening. And in the last couple of years, I have been a part of some organizations where the level of accountability and the, I will call you out on your shit, uh, is so high that, you know, nothing gets swept under the rug. And I go, that's attractive. I want more of that in my life. I want people to call me out on my bullshit. And to tie the whole room together. 
I will let Mike explain the connection between coachability, accountability, and being a good coach. So the accountability piece is huge. And I really, I would say in the last year, I really got present to what that looks like. Not as a concept or a theory, but exactly what it looks like. I've watched it in practice. And uh, I've been held to a really high standard myself. And it's been, it's been enlightening. And um, What does it look like? Oh, if, if I say I'm matching my word to what I do mm. and if, and then having somebody who is holding me to that, you know, if I say I'm going to be here at 859, you know, I'm not, and I show up at 859 in five seconds, I go, well, what happened? Are you, are you going to make a commitment to that not ever happening again? And that can only happen in an environment where the person agrees to be coachable. Mm-hmm. And so there's, it's a different level. There's different levels of coaching that are happening. But I think if you want to be the highest level coach yourself, you have to be coachable yourself. If you yourself are a coach, I highly recommend checking out Mike's Strong Coach program at thestrongcoach.com. I've been following their Instagram account at thestrongcoach and regularly do the lessons and reflect on the wisdom that is dropped. Whether you are a coach or not, go check out the Strong Coach's Instagram post from September 27th, 2018, titled Growth Hacks, Make These Three Lists. That lesson helped me free up a ton of time and get clear about the work I want to be doing and how to get rid of the work I don't need to be doing to make room for that in my life. You can also find Mike at the Bledsoe Show podcast. If you want a good starting place for his show, check out episode 74 with little old me. If you haven't already, make sure you subscribe to the show so you don't miss our next episode, where I interviewed both Mike Bledsoe and Ashley Bledsoe about their relationship. It's an open relationship, and Ashley drops some serious wisdom about how to open relate even if you're monogamous. The principles she shared can even be applied in close friendships. So, again, make sure you're subscribed. Thank you for listening. Much love to you, and I look forward to seeing you again next week.